Yeah, this is my life. I'm done trying to convince people I'm real. Sleep, never retreat. Welcome to the Road to the Trials podcast presented by Koros, my favorite watch brand company. They are just crushing it. We're talking about the track every single episode in this series, and that's exactly why Koros is one of our sponsors, our presenting sponsor, in fact, because they're track feature on their watch is unbelievable to the point where when you go into the track mode you then select which lane you're running into because they know if you're in lane one that's a different distance in lane two and lane three and lane four and lane five they're not just going to assume that you're in lane one either that's how dialed in these watches are so go to coros.com that's c-o-r-o-s.com and use code trials to get a free swag bag at checkout in this episode, we're talking to Dana Giordano. She's hanging out in Park City, Utah for five weeks to get ready for the sound running meet, which will be in roughly a week and a half, a stacked field of runners that she'll be competing against in the 5K. She is doing some high-level work. She's healthy. She's crushing it. And here we are learning all about it. So let's go talk to Dana. Dana, welcome back. Thank you so much. It's good to be back. I'm excited to chat with you. You're like the 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 like the the national traveler of the road to the trials crew. Everyone is pretty much like they're in their spots, but you've done you know, you've headed out to Florida. You're now you're in Utah doing your thing. So I'm excited to see how how training camp's going. Yeah, I would blame Boston for that as not being the most accommodating location in the, you know winter and early spring but how dare you say that as a as someone who lives in boston you know the history you know the 70s boss the 70s running boom spurned by people from the metro boston area how dare you go back on that <laughs> you know i would say i'm just i've gotten soft i went to dartmouth i i went through it all you know i ran in the coldest temperatures i've ever wanted to run in and will never do it again but there's something about the wind, and I think April is the windiest month um, of all the months of the year in Boston. So that's why you get a, such a fun Boston marathon every year. Well, I'll tell you what, as someone who's lived in New England my whole life, and I just turned 40, so that's a pretty considerable amount of time at this point. Hey, thank you. Um, I'll say that this is the windiest, like, end of winter, early spring than I can ever remember. <laughs> it's like this every year, though. That's what you don't remember. April is the windiest month. But that's the thing is that like I used to live like on the water. So it was always windy there. But when I would go visit like family members and stuff who lived a little bit more inland, like now I swear to God, Dana, I, the last <laughs> the last three weeks, every day is like, you know, limbs are coming down. We're seeing like, you know, like the cable companies out, like it's not even a storm. It's just like the day. This <laughs> is wild stuff. Well, Boston is one of the windiest cities in the entire country. That's fair. So that's fair. We got that. We got. But that's not the reason why I'm in Park City. The reason why we're here is because we have a five week training block that leads directly into the sound running. Perfect. So we Perfect. decided to get our big, huge block of work in. And then we'll be headed to a 5K, and then I've got a bunch of races in a row lined up. All right, so let's talk about the we first. When you say we're up here, who are you talking about? So small but mighty BA crew on the track. We have a lot of marathoners back home, but the track squad is me, Elena Tab, and Erica Kemp. And we are all 
and our coach, Mark Carroll, and we are all doing the 5K at the Sound Running Meet. Nice. Okay. So when you're up there, is it just you three or are there other runners or groups in the area that you, you know will do some stuff with? There's other groups in the area, but we stick to ourselves. Our, you know, it's just kind of, you never want to get carried away by other people. So in an altitude, you have to be very cautious about your recovery days. So we've just kind of been running and doing our own thing. Um, I was fortunate that I was out here this summer. So I know a little bit of the lay of the land of Park City, but we've been having some fun times going down to BYU um, using their awesome facility. And they really have, they have this track. It's crazy. It looks like it's in Europe. It's like set, it's set right on these foothills and it is absolutely a stunning track. Oh, I'm going to like Google this while while we're talking so I can get a visual of it. It's in the background, a couple of my most recent Instagram photos. But really, every time I go there, I'm like, wow, this is like, this must be what Europe is like. It's so pretty. Oh, wow. Yeah, look at that. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, and to say nothing of the talent they have down there. Do you ever run into the, the track and field teams down there? Yeah, so Coach Taylor has been very welcoming to my to our team. Um, We saw them a little bit. One of our workouts actually coincided with the start of a meet they were hosting. So we had an awesome welcome and Courtney Wayman, who just had a absolute stud performance in the steeplechase. Her dad is the announcer at the track. So when we got there, there was this different type of music playing. And then as soon as she showed up, she scurried up to the booth and changed it to something a little more current. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and her dad gave us a nice shout out uh, of a uh, look out for the professional runners on the track to the throwers that probably were like, who are these random people? <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah. Coach Taylor, Coach Diljeet Taylor, who has actually been on this show. Oh, I had to listen. Yeah, she was. it was the last episode of the first season. And it was right when um, I think it was, it was the championships when they basically got pulled off the track mm-hmm. for COVID. It's like, hey, we've warmed up. We're ready to go. Nope, meets over. Yeah, that was tough. And it was, you know, we took the long break. And uh, actually, fun fact, if someone hasn't heard the Abe Alvarado first episode, then this will be news to you. Abe actually was coached by her at two different college stops. Oh, fun. So she recruited Abe. Um, you know, he was really late to the track and field game. He was a soccer player. And she recruited him at like a very small California State College. And then she got the BYU job. And then he went and followed her to BYU. And then even at BYU, he was like all the other runners, all the other male runners in his cohort all had a different coach. And he just st- he stayed with Diljeet the whole time. Wow. Wow. What a story. Yeah. So it's interesting. I was like, and now he's with Amy Yoder Begley at um at uh Atlanta Track Club. I'm like you're like the one you're like the one professional male runner who's gone through like women's coaches the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I'm here for that. More of that, please. No, it's interesting. All right. Sorry for the tangent, but I get excited. (laughs) I get excited about that little little trivia fact. Um, All right. So you head out to Park City. You got a five-week training camp up there. Uh, Talk to me about the adjustment in terms of when you go up there, what it means for you in terms of getting used to the altitude and how it affects different people potentially differently. Like, did your – how it affected you, um, I guess – play the same sort of game with Erica and Elena? Yeah. So I have gone to altitude. This would be my third time. I think it would be Erica's second time. And Elena 
it's definitely the veteran who has been on the team for the longest amount of time and has been to the most altitude camps and locations. So I think for me personally, I can't speak to what my teammates, how they've adapted um, completely. That would not be fair. But for me, I think the hardest part is I really struggle with kind of the long runs. Um, Those are the hardest days of the week for me, for sure. That longer run the first two weeks absolutely puts me on my back and I just want to sleep the rest of the day. So I like to call it productive laziness. And that's kind of how I've been living my life the past five weeks of, you know, I like to stay busy when I'm at home. I'm not someone to sit still. But when I've been here, you really have to be very, very diligent about recovery. So been taking those easy days super I'm so it's so so boring everyone here's an easy days easy but like it's it's real here like I I never run eight minute pace at home and that's what I'm doing you know some damn on easy days because your heart rate could just get too high you really need to get that time to recover do you monitor your heart rate or is it just something that you're so tuned into now that you can just acknowledge it as you're going I feel like I can just tell a little bit. I mean, I'm not sure what exact zones it's in or anything like that. It's an unscientific approach, but you can just tell when you're when you've done a tempo run on a Tuesday and you're tired on a Wednesday. <laughs> Absolutely. And when you're in that situation where say again these first two, two and a half weeks, and you're getting used to the altitude and you're going on these long runs, do you basically just say, hey, we do the workout, we do like, you know, what, what, I, what we normally would have done at sea level and kind of adjust for pace, or do you scale back a little bit on the quality of the long run, knowing that your body's going to take some time to adapt? I think the long run specifically has a different purpose at sea level than at altitude. I think that I was always told, this is my knowledge that your blood starts getting processed differently after an hour. So it's more replicating kind of that fatigue of a later stage of a race when you're really tired. So your body is just working so hard, burning so many calories uh, that, you know, you're going to be running an hour, 40 minutes either way, but you don't need to make it much harder because it's already hard because it's altitude versus at sea level. I feel like I like to, you know, do some more progressive long runs. We'll get down in pace at the end that fast the last few miles, but that's not the purpose of it here. You know, it's just another day to get that volume in the legs. And then as far as other workouts go, you know, we have a goal for what we want to want to run on the track. So some of it's adjusted and some of it is not. And I think it's getting used to, you know, running those 68 second quarters and knowing that it would feel easier at sea level and be like, okay, I could probably rip some 66s maybe, but you're not exactly thinking about that. You're just trying to put in a really high quality, large body of work. Now, is there certain, is there certain thresholds for distances that are affected by elevation? So like by that, I mean, say you're doing 200 meter repeats. Is that equally affected by the elevation as say, you know, half mile repeats? You know, I'm definitely not the expert here being still on the earlier side of altitude training. But I, I would say no, you know, I think it's more of your heart rate starts to climb. And for me, I've noticed like over 800 um, is when it really gets much, much harder. So anything longer than the 800 meter rep is when you can really tell. And that's just kind of a recovery thing. You know, it takes you much longer to be able to be ready for that next rep. Now, is it exciting to see your body change and adjust to the altitude? Because it seems like 
you know, if you're say you're, whether you're training in Boston or Florida or wherever, that you can get to those situations where it can be fairly repetitive. Like, oh, yeah, I'm doing these workouts again, and you know, it's not like uh, it was Kyle Merber who I think it was posted it somewhere of like, hey, everyone does the same workouts. Like, there's no special secret workouts that some coaches are doing and others aren't doing. So, is it fun and exciting to maybe be in this new situation where not only are you adjusting to the workouts which you always would be doing, but you have this other variable? that is also kind of malleable and you can see how you're adjusting to that. Yeah, I definitely think that, I guess, you know, it's, you're all doing some very similar workouts, but I think it's what you can give on that day and, you know, ride in that line of, right, I want to work really hard, but I don't want to tip over into doing too much. So I think it's, you know, those first two weeks, you play a little more conservative. And then once you've adjusted that kind of that third and fourth week, you can start hitting the hammer down a little harder. And you mentioned that you've been doing your track workouts down at BYU. So elevation of Park City at 7,000. At BYU, it's 4,500, 4,600. Can you tell the difference in the elevation levels when you're running in each location? You know, we only do really hard stuff when we're down there. So not exactly. But I bet if I did an easy run, we'd be able to tell. It'd be a little bit better. Oh, gotcha. So you don't... so. All right, that's that's a great. All right, I know I'm going going deep into this, but I've never <laughs> I've never been to one of these situations before, and I know a lot of people listening haven't either. Obviously, you do warm up work before your track workouts and things like that. Is is that is that warm up just not long enough to be able to really detect what's going on from regards in regards to elevation? Yeah, I mean, I think the workouts kind of similar to a race. You got a little bit of nerves, so it's not exactly a good one to one because you know that 20 minutes before your long 5k specific work is definitely going to feel a little more stressful than a casual 20 minute jog. So I, I don't know if you can exactly compare it. Um, I will say the warm up feels easier than the cool down, but that's uh that's standard anywhere. <laughs> For sure. All right. So you're spending, you know, Eric and Elena very well. You train with each other all the time, not just when you're in Utah. However, you're in Utah, you're spending a lot of time together. You mentioned that there's, the downtime is downtime. So what's it like, um, mean, just from a competitive standpoint amongst the three of you, right? You're running similar events. You train together. You're now training with each other. You're kind of sequestered away. What's that like in terms of what is kind of okay from a competition perspective? And what are things that are situations that the three of you try to avoid from a competition perspective? Yeah, I mean, for me, I come in at a different angle. I'm like more the 1500 meter run in the crowd and Elena's more of the 10K runner. But, you know, it, it is it is hard. I'm going to be perfectly honest. I mean, there's some days that Erica is, you know, finishing several seconds ahead of me in a rep. And I'm like, that sucks. Like, I want to be up there with her. But, you know, the way that I work out versus the way I race is really different. You know, I feel like I perform much at a much higher level in a race situation than a workout. I have a hard time, you know, getting myself super excited sometimes for workouts. And I would say Erica's probably more consistent, you know, she's on it all the time. So it is hard, you know, when you're, there's only three spots on the Olympic team. There's, you know, we're all in these teams in different areas and training partners are amazing. And I think they're necessary, but it's at the end of the day, like it's just you. So you got to have your mind right. And I think it's, definitely helpful to have those people around you. But, you know, the way I keep myself level is, you know, talking to people outside of this house, you know, keeping my people who would love me if I didn't run close. And I think that's what helps me 
the most during camp, just because you're right, it does get competitive. And I think it's, it's intense. You know, we are here for five weeks. We have one goal. We're living in the same place, eating, breathing, doing everything together. And I made a joke in the beginning of the camp. I was like, wow, we spent an ungodly amount of time together, which is true. And, you know, I think that it's a very special thing that we get to do together, but it's also unnatural at times where you're like, okay, it'd be nice if I had my complete own space, but it's all worth it in the end because I think you wouldn't be able to do the same level of work if it wasn't for your teammates. Yeah, absolutely. It seems like the positives drastically outweigh the negatives. Is there like an alpha when it comes to the house, like the person who sets the rules most of the time? We all, we, you know, we're all three strong women. So I would say that kind of, we play different roles. You know, I drive a lot. Um, the other girls are, you know, take more control in the kitchen. They like to cook more than I do. So I'm, I'm okay with being the receiving end of that, but it's not catty or anything, you know. <laughs> no, no. And I would, and I would never suggest that. I was just wondering, I was more just like, no, you'd be like, yeah, man, I set the rules around here. Yeah, that's it. No, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that would go over very well, but, uh, yeah, no, it's just funny because we were just showing them like no one else has to spend this much time with their coworkers ever. Like that'd be bizarre if you were told, all right, now everyone you worked all day with, you have to go home with as well. Right. I mean, um, even in college, it's not, it's not, even in college, it's not quite like that because you at least like, all right, like I might live with my teammates, but we don't necessarily have the same classes. We might not study in the same places. So you're, there's other ways and, t- and moments where you can disconnect. For sure. And don't forget, we're in Park City. This is a beautiful place and we have access to the town. So, you know, if someone needs some alone time, it's like, I'm going to go to a coffee shop, see you guys later. Don't worry about it. And we're all adults. So that's that's pretty normal. So I think that everyone's really respectful of personal space and all that. All right. So let's talk about you and me coming up. The Sound Running Meet on California. Um, how are you feeling? I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I think that this camp has definitely been hard for me at my as I've been focusing a little bit more on the 5k, the volume of everything has been hard and, you know, it's definitely out of my comfort zone, but I've, you know, since we last talked, all I've been doing is running 80 mile weeks and two good workouts a week. So they're not all a plus days, but just, you can see my little Strava line of click, 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 click all together. So (laughs) I think, I think it should go well. I think, that I've struggled a little bit in confidence and kind of being like, oh, I really wanted that A-plus day, but had the reassurance of, all right, it's not just one day. The day that matters is the race, you know, just put it together. And, you know, my A goal is to break 15 minutes, but my B goal is to get just under that 15-10. And I think that's completely possible to get the Olympic standard. And when you're going to a race like this, and this is something that I've talked to a lot of the runners that we're chronicling uh, on this journey is that that situation where you're in you're you know potentially in two different ways of thinking going into a race like this, right? You have the time goals that you have and the fitness that you have and you want to kind of run to that fitness level and also that it's a race. You're not the only person out there and you can't just necessarily say, okay, we're gonna, I'm going to run these splits. And I'm going to get this time. It's certainly much more, um, you know, it's a, it's a lot harder than that. Right. I think the sound running me does such a great job of having such deep competitive fields that you want to win. And you know, if you do win, you're going to achieve your goal. You're not concerned that if you win, you won't get the time. I think that that's 
the reputation that they've built for themselves over the past, I guess, two years of creating such a good reputation of meets that they put on. So I think whoever wins this race, it's going to be a sub 15 minute race. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point, you know, and I think that that's, um, you know, you, you want to put yourself in that position. Obviously, there, there's other circumstances, right? If you look at, like, you know, the Texas qualifier, where it was just, it got so darn hot that for for some of the longer races, you know, they, they worked their tail off. But, like, you know, I just talked to Kira D'Amato just, you know, just this morning. And she was like, yeah, like, I, I was really fair for that race. But, hey, the circumstances were the circumstances. You know, like, I just wasn't going to be able to run the time that I wanted. Finishing second was great, but that wasn't quite what I wanted to do. With that said... Like you mentioned, the field is stacked. So let me just, geez, please look at these names. <laughs> I won't read all the names, but there's again, a lot. There's a and lot. People, and people can pull out, Lord knows. Um, but, you know, Natalia Hawthorne, you know, Stephanie Bruce, Emily Sisson, Lauren Paquette, Vanessa Fraser, um, Gwen Jorgensen. Is that the 10K? That's no, 5K. Yeah. Oh, wow. These are new names that I haven't seen yet. <laughs> Kim Connolly, Elena Tab, Natasha Rogers. I'm sorry, Natasha Rogers, Dan Giordano. Um, let's see here. Rachel Schneider, Mel Lawrence. I'm halfway through the list. Yeah. <laughs> this is like, it's a stacked field, which is great. I mean, obviously, you see that group. You're like, all right, we're not going to go out slow. Like, we're not going to waste our time. We're one and a half away from the trials. And People women gonna... don't do that anyways. <laughs> Well, and and I would think that being a month and a half out, like people are going to want to, you know, this is a, this is a real deal. And it's not obviously not just about people are going to want to win this race, but they're also going to want to set themselves up for success as they move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's, you're about to see some firing all cylinders. And I think that one of the things you mentioned about those other meets where, you know, the circumstances weren't right. I think that a lot of people do have Olympic A standards, so it's going to be hard I don't think there'll be as la- as much last minute chasing of standards as in Olympic trial cycles past, just because we've had such a large window that the most people that have the, I think in the 5k, there's almost 15 women who already have the ACE standards. So, you know, I think that people are trying to do it early because those last minute opportunities will not be there. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, all right. So we're not going to talk to you again before race day. We'll talk to you after, which was, will be in basically two weeks from now. So going into a race, we haven't talked about this. When you're preparing yourself to make sure that you can have the best race possible, what are you doing from a mental perspective? And kind of where do you want to be emotionally so that you, when you step to the starting line, you're ready to roll and you're also in control of what you need to be in control of? Yeah, so we're a little over a week out, but for the past several weeks, usually before my bigger sessions, I work out for the week, I've been working with Tim Bailey, who's a sports psychologist, and I wrote a 5K visualization for myself, you know, which involves some deep breathing, meditation, and kind of, you know, thinking about the race and keeping it top of mind. So when you're going into a harder track workout, you have the end goal in sight. So that's kind of what I do only a couple times a week, because if I do it more than that, Gives me a little too much excitement. Um, but then I, I, you know, I do a lot of recovery and all that. And I think that as the race gets closer, you do different things, but we still have a little bit more work to do. So one more really hard session on Friday and then all eyes to the race. And when you're doing these visualization sessions and mapping it out, are you focusing on merely how you feel and how you want to feel uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally? Or are you also visualizing 
times and splits and things like that? You know, there's a little bit of that, but it's more just cues because math is hard to do in a race. I'm not very good at doing race math while I'm in it. So, you know, if, if we get near that 3K and close to nine minutes, that's great. Uh, that's in the visualization, but it's much more about, you know, those mantras you can go to in the middle of the race that'll make you feel the best. That's exciting. All right. So in a week, week and a half, we'll see you step to the starting line. Everyone's going to be really excited. We What I mean, what a wonderful meet this is going to be. Uh, a number of the people who we've been following will be there as well. I can't wait to catch up with you after the race, you know, a day or two later to see exactly how it went for you. Best of luck moving forward. Thank you so much. I look forward to catching up, hopefully with some good news. Dana, thank you so much. Also, big shout out to Koros. Go check them out today. Koros.com, C-O-R-O-S dot com. If you're listening to this, you might have seen that I also put out a podcast with Kira D'Amato just a few hours before this baby came on. So if you haven't done so already, go check that one out as well. Thank you so much for listening and happy running. This has been a production of the Rambling Runner Podcast Network. Thank you to my producer, David Margetti, from InPost Media. Also, thank you to Metapi for the music and his song, Evolution.